everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is editing read from the future. Uh, just a quick note. So Brenna and I are currently in the process of moving. Um, we are moving to the same city, but from two different locations um, at different times, which, as you might imagine, is a little bit difficult. So this is just a heads up that if our audio sounds a little bit different or weird for the next couple of episodes, that's why. Um, you may also notice that this episode is a week later than normal. We are going to release one less episode than we usually would in the month of October, but we are expecting that when we hit November, we'll be back to our usual schedule. Um, In the meantime, thank you so much for your patience and for sticking with us, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. This is a pretty special episode because it is our two-year anniversary! Um, We will get a little bit more into that in a bit. But um, unlike last year's anniversary episode, which was a little bit more informal, we just sort of talked about the pod, um, we are doing our three-fic format um, with fics chosen by all of you. So first up, Nick, what is your fic for this episode? Yes. So my fic for this episode is called Blondes Really Do Have More Fun by Suzuki Blue. It is a fic for the Young Justice cartoon in the DC Comics universe. And there are technically is like some ship stuff happening, but to be honest, this is a very character study, fairly gen, uh, self-discovery work of fan fiction. So that's me. Reed, what'd you bring? My fic is The Wood is Warping, The Lines Distorting by Lil Cricky. It is for the K-pop group NCT, and the pairing is Mark Lee, Johnny Sa. Rena, what is your fic? Yeah, <laughs> my fic is You Dance Dreams by Lady Ragnell. It's for Les Mis. Uh, the relationship is Angelos Grantaire. Um, it's like a college university AU and also involves a lot about opera and ballet. Also, a kind thank you to the friends and ficlets who sent me how to pronounce characters' names. <laughs> uh, can't guarantee that I'll always get it right because none of I us am... speak French. We're so sorry, everyone. No, We're doing our best. Never taken any sort of French class. Never been to France. Not familiar with the source material, but doing my best. And thank you for the resources. <laughs> so, as I mentioned, our first anniversary episode was a lot more of the sort of behind the scenes, like. How did we start doing this podcast? How did it change in the first year? Because, boy, it changed a lot. Um, Some things have changed, I think, in our second year, but I also think we are more settled. And also, I think we deviated a little bit from our original idea of three fix every episode, but we had a better idea of, like, what we were doing and what we wanted to do. I don't know. I thought it might be nice to just, like, reminisce a little on the past year. Have we grown? I don't know. I think we gatekeep our ficlets more. (laughs) <laughs> than we used to. We frequently in episodes are like, oh, if you're a true ficlet, you'll know this or you'll remember this. It's kind of harsh, but we do it. So I'm, I just wanted I'm to sorry, note that everyone. as a change. I'm not. I mean, I think if it's a natural evolution of the process, like roll with mm. it, you know? Yeah. When we were young and humble and we were yeah. so thankful for every listener and now the fame has gone to our heads. <laughs> we're so <laughs> famous. Yeah. So famous. So famous. Yeah. Household names, some would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I definitely think that we feel more settled overall. I think we can see that in uh, the fact that our recording times are sometimes shorter than they were when we started this podcast. Frequently. (laughs) We take uh, less time between talking about fix to just be absolute clowns. Um, (laughs) That being said, though, it is still astonishing to me how little I remember each time about, like, how to record a podcast. Like, I sit down (laughs) and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, Like... Why why do I still just like not remember our recording schedule? Like what we're doing? <laughs> like you well, our outro goes in, I'd be a lot better. <laughs> I like knowing what's happening with our own podcast and yet I feel like I'm still a clown sometimes. But that being said, we are efficient clowns who manage to <laughs> continue to roll out the episodes. Uh-huh. Oh so. yeah. We we honk those noses on beat. You could say yep. Ooh, that sounded like a <laughs> Oh my god uh, oh sorry everyone i will say in line with that i do sometimes now get stage fright when i'm speaking to my <laughs> co-hosts on mic which didn't used to happen <laughs> i'll like start saying something and then get really nervous about what like about that we're gonna be like nick that was a bad point like what? well we edit out all of the times that you two are like nicole why are you even oh, on the right, show right. you don't add anything oh. of value yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i yeah, think that's sorry, no literally it's though. i think i see myself on zoom and i'm like i like make eye contact and then my brain goes blank <laughs> and it's over oh no yeah i was saying the other day actually to my dad that it was interesting because when we started we always were in like the same room and we recorded on just one mic which made it really hard in some ways in terms of like making sure that we were all quiet when like one person was speaking and that like I wasn't fidgeting with things too much that like would make noises which I still try not to do although like I do currently have things in my hands (laughs) (laughs) but when we first we first switched to doing it like remotely because of the pandemic and at the beginning I was like really really bummed about it and it's still like sad to not be able to do any parts of it like in person together but in other ways I feel like my own recording experience has improved doing it this way yeah. <laughs> like I'm only yeah. responsible for like my audio like my setup like and I feel like I also am much more aware of like my audio level and all that stuff because I'm just hearing my own self back in my headphones like talking to you two like in our little zoom screen right now I'm projecting more because like I naturally talk louder when I'm on like a video call rather than to someone who's just sitting next to me like I don't turn my head to like talk to you yeah. and then I'm <laughs> away from the mic right. like all of those things were such struggles for us when we were in the same yeah. room on like yeah. next tiny little couch recording <laughs> and as much as it's a total bummer to like not be able to hang out in person with my two co-hosts every week or every two weeks, like because we only ever hung out right. in person for recording and not like I think it was literally three to four times a week. Relationship, read, come on. <laughs> I think it's better, honestly, to be business partners than friends. Is what I found in the last okay. two years. Okay, our gotcha, evolution yeah. into colleagues. I really appreciate it. Yes. Friends to colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. Friends to colleagues. The arc Nick, um, did you... <laughs> Nick, did you um, hear Brenna when she talked about speaking louder and no. projecting? Okay. No. <laughs> Sorry, my selective hearing. Figlets, maybe I'll release a photo <laughs> for you of, like, what our three audios look like before I've done any editing to them. Because Brenna and I record on the same type of microphone and also, I think, speak at similar volumes. So they, you know, have sound. 
Nyx is <laughs> impossible to see. It is so low and quiet. This podcast it's like- is giving me a complex. I never thought I spoke quietly <laughs> until we started doing it. And now every time I'm like, I'm a little mouse. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm literally out here like reducing the peaks on like Brenna and I speaking because it's too loud. And for Nick, it's like amplify by ten, amplify, like, amplify. Like, I'm sorry. I know like, my, sometimes I look at my recording thing. My laugh peaks are like horrible. Oh, mine are so atrocious. Bad. I am as long so as you're bad. having fun. Yeah. Um, I did just want to say, Bren, you mentioned like we've gotten a little bit more efficient, and so we have less like nonsense mm-hmm. in between. And it's a little bit sad because, like, we don't have as many bloopers as we used to. Mm -hmm. We still have lots of bloopers, especially (laughs) from, like, going back, like, ooh, our backlog is long. But it's, like, each episode might have, like, three to, like, seven where it used to be, like, 20. I will say the other side of that is that we have, like, things that we've tried, like, long bits that we've just completely cut. (laughs) We have multiple (laughs) intros that are just, they're not, like... It's, like, 10 to 15 minutes of content that we just axed. (laughs) We were like, should we try this? And then we tried it. Okay, the one I'm thinking about, there's a couple instances of this, but the one I'm thinking about that is really tough is we were, like, I don't even remember why. Like, I don't remember if it was, like, thematic for the fix we were bringing, but we were, like, wouldn't it be funny if we did, like, a body swapped intro i'm gonna leak it (laughs) i'm literally gonna leak it it's so funny first of all there was like too long like too much time was taken trying to understand like who was in which body if brenna is in my body is she speaking like Uh whose voice is saying what my get it right like i don't know why it was so hard i was like am i speaking as my soul or am i speaking as my body because that's those are different (laughs) those are different places right now and, like, the, I guess, like, part of the problem with body swap in an only audio medium is, like, when it's, when you're watching a show or something and they're swapped, the visuals, I think, help. But it's, like, if I'm supposed to be sitting here, like, ooh, Brenna's in my body, like, it was so, it was, besties, it was to not the good. the point of, like, parody. <laughs> and but also, like, like, roasting each other with stuff <laughs> that we can't even say on the podcast. It was just, like, every time one of us would go to speak, we, like, could not figure out who, who we were pretending too, yeah. to be. Also, it was like, what would we Brenna made it say here? It yes. was so difficult. Like, why? The, like, stilted I voices. It, it's really bad. I haven't listened back. We should listen back Subscribe to Subscribe to our Patreon at $1,000 a month if you want to listen to it. <laughs> I'm leaking it. Don't worry. Yeah, it was I really Nick, brutal. Nick, $1,000 a month, mm-hmm. and then they can listen to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> our other failed intros are things where we just, like, couldn't decide which bit to do, so we, like, yeah, did, did two. <laughs> But, like, they're usually okay. It's not usually because one was, like, so bad. We had to totally go back to the drawing board. So in talking about things that we either cut or don't cut from our episodes, uh, as you probably know, most of our titles are pulled from things that we directly say in episodes. Um, That's excluding things like the fandom classics or, like, mini-sode titles. But standard episodes get pulled from content in the episode. So, while we might have less bloopers, we certainly do not have less rejected episode titles. (laughs) And we thought it might be fun to go back through some of the ones that were suggested, but we did not end up choosing from the past year. Uh, Just a real speed run for you of some of these proposed episode titles that unfortunately aren't out there in the world for you to enjoy right now. So here are some rejected titles, and we'll let you know what episode they're from. So, from episode 43... We're going recent to past. Uh, we had a trench coat full of tropes and I feel like a peeled grape, 
And from episode 42, we had Guy You Could Make Worse and Fuck Canon, My Rules Now, which we did, um, Enterprising Ficklets might realize we did, we, <laughs> we tried that. And the podcast hosting site said, no, 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 none of like that. Like said, you get Canon, My Rules Now. <laughs> um, and wrong. so Ficklets got to watch me scramble in lifetime <laughs> to change. Uh, I like tried censoring it and that like kind of worked, but kind of didn't. So we just went with a new title. Yeah. But yeah, now you know. In loving memory. <laughs> from episode 41 we had i just really love his horses winky face and supernatural specific amnesia and from episode 40 better sorry than safe from episode 37 we had my brain is full of bees wretched with adoration and girl help and from episode 36 we had step on me stab me with your sword get out of the clown car and he has no god clout for episode 35, we have the classic, they look into each other's orbs. And then from episode 34, our fandom classic, these are um, also in the description, the text description of the episode, but we wanted to share them again here. Since we don't title our fandom classic, some options would have been, like to charge, reblog to cast, Miss Frizzle could be your wizard Sona, and you're 18 and dramatic. From episode 32, I do think crabs might have souls. Uh, from episode 30, Holy guacamole, as they say, and he's got plenty of trauma to go around. And from episode 29, the chess fool is in the back room waiting for you, Grandmaster, <laughs> which I still can't read without laughing. It's like, it's a little wordy, but like, ooh, what a discussion. Yeah. From episode 28, we've got fast, dangerous, small, cold soccer. And last but certainly not least from episode 26, I will be the Laura Dern to your Babadook. So there you go. There's a year's worth of um, <laughs> unused titles. We say a lot of stuff on this podcast, huh? And that's like certainly not all of the unused ones. No. Sometimes I look in the house and Reed has posted like 15 upwards of 10. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really did when I was going back through like a year's worth of our titles to pull for this. Um, I had to limit how many times I picked a clown option because we had a <laughs> lot. We talk about being clowns, other people being clowns, etc. Like Quite often. Um, so there was a lot of potential clown titles. Clown energy is strong here. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably time to get into this actual episode and the fix we're discussing. As Reed mentioned earlier, uh, we are doing standard three fic format, but instead of being chosen by us, this time they were randomly selected from options you submitted to us. So thank you very much to all of our listeners who submitted in fix for us to choose from. Uh, we made a spreadsheet and randomly generated numbers to select our fic options. Um, yeah, so a wild array that we've ended up with here. <laughs> um, before we get into our full discussions of those fics, we wanted to give a few shout outs to some other options that were submitted, but unfortunately not selected via random number generator. Um, Nick, do you want to give us a couple of your favorites? Oh, yeah. So as soon as I saw that Bisexual Shakespeare recommended God's Grinch x Tony Fix-It Fic, uh, which is indeed the Grinch from The Grinch Stole Christmas and Tony the Tiger uh, from The Phantom is Serial, <laughs> I, I wanted it so bad for us. I really wanted it. I was I was trying to manifest so hard. We did not pull it, unfortunately, but it was meaningful to me when I saw it. I do want to add, because um, we asked people for a short description and why they chose it. Um, and uh, Bisexual Shakespeare did say, just to add spice to the roulette, uh -huh. which like, I will say, we had asked sort of on Twitter and in our forum, we had said like, hey, we would really love if you gave us sort of different fandoms, different lengths, um, 
And the ficlets in the server were like, what if we did all stuff that you guys had not, like all fandoms you hadn't talked about in the pod before? Amazing. Um, love the way you immediately unionized and were like, this is what we're doing. <laughs> My also, like, have unionized. Love, love the suggestions for fandoms we have done as well, obviously, but um, I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really impressive, like, how many of these fics I had never heard of and how many fandoms, like, I also hadn't read for. Um, I obviously read a lot of fan fiction, <laughs> and I think compared to, like, when we do our rec exchange, <laughs> which will be coming up again soon for this year, keep your eyes and ears out, um... Oftentimes when I'm going through the list for those, I'm familiar with a lot of the works that are getting wrecked between the people. Here, I knew, like, maybe a handful. Um, and I was familiar with some of the fandoms, obviously, and could have easily picked up the works. But, like, works I'd actually read or, like, heard of, not very many for me personally. So that was really cool to be scrolling through and, like, feel very unfamiliar with most of what was in the spreadsheet. Um, I want to give a shout out to a fic that got recommended twice mm-hmm. um cassie and claire i'm not sure if you were trying to like stack the odds in favor <laughs> of um ernesto de la cruz versus the court of public opinion by skater of the surface they both recommended this fic and i say stack the odds because i was just looking at the short descriptions and they are startlingly similar <laughs> um so i'll just quickly read cassie said about this fic media fic For an extremely unexpected fandom, outsider POV in a way that allows the author to take on the material of the canon in a totally different way that I think is really neat. And then Claire said, outsider POV, multimedia, (laughs) in-universe academia. This has everything I want in a genfic. OP gives every article its own writer's voices and ties them all together beautifully with a satisfying resolution. I just think it's neat. (laughs) So like, I don't know if you two were collaborating. I'm sorry it didn't get pulled. Uh, Yeah, but I just thought that was fun that it, it showed up twice. Another one I wanted to shout out was 4311 South La Cienega Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, 90016. That's the whole title by Avocado Moon, who we actually just did a fic by. Uh, This is recommended by Kat. It's for the fandom It, the movie, but when they're adults. Uh, So I guess the second, I don't know about the clown movie. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, I do my best. all our talk about clowns, we don't know about that movie. (laughs) No. Um, Part of the short description is, I never would have expected to be so emotionally affected by a story with this many descriptions of death and dismemberment, but here we are. Um, (laughs) Again, I don't know anything about this fic. The summary is literally like a real estate listing. Like this is, it's ominous. It is opaque. I didn't read it. Um, but I had seen Kat talking about this, just like in fandom in general, and every time I just felt gourdless, and so I was kind <laughs> of hoping we would pull it, even though we did just do an avocado moon fic, which was very good, so I think that's okay, but I just wanted to shout that one out because I still have no idea what the hell that fic is, but I'm very curious. I'm like also very intrigued by the fact that that address like has nothing there. Oh, spooky. It's just like so. the middle of... La Cienega Boulevard. There's nothing. There's nothing yeah, there's scarier nothing. than the middle of La Cienega Boulevard. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a lot of very wonderful recommendations uh, suggested to us. I know many people in the server were very curious about other things that were uh, submitted. So we will be posting a link to this spreadsheet um, now as this episode is coming out. So Check it should it out. be up as you are listening to this. Uh, you can take a scroll through and see what else was suggested. Maybe find some fun things uh, to check out for your own reading enjoyment. Ficklets, we loved your super picks. <laughs> now let's talk about a super fic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I love that. Please use it, Reed. Reed, you have to use that. My fake for this episode is called Blondes Really Do Have More Fun by 
Suzuki Blue. It is for the fandom Young Justice, which is a cartoon TV show based on the DC Comics universe. I've seen like four episodes of it, so I am the expert of the group. Sorry, everyone. Um, excited to chat about that. Uh, this was a recommendation from Ficklet Singular Scenery. So thank you so much, Singular Scenery. I want to read their short description and why they chose it. And then I'll talk a little bit more about the fic itself, any content warnings, and then we'll, you know, get into the discussion as we do. So Singular Scenery said, The team get magically gender-swapped and everyone is struggling, except Superboy for some reason. It's so heartfelt and sincere. This was an anonymous kink meme fill literally a decade ago and was left unfinished. It haunted me. Then, one day, I found it completed by the original author on AO3 and promptly lost my gourd. So I just want to note what a beautiful story that is. Um, like, we, we love a success story. To follow a fic for so long and to think that it's going to be unfinished forever and then to discover it completed, like, that is such a jackpot. I cannot imagine the euphoria and elation. So congratulations, Singular Scenery, for experiencing that. And thank you for sharing it with us. As referenced, um, this fic was based off of a prompt. Uh, the prompt, as it is, uh, it's in the author's note. I'll read it as well to give a little bit more context. Uh, it says, Some sort of magical event switches all the genders of Young Justice. Mostly all of them want it fixed, but one of them is ecstatic, as they finally feel right, only to angst about what they are going to do when the cure is found. Are they going to stay the same, or are they going to force themselves back to the status quo? Um, I just want to note, too, like this feels like a very classic prompt I don't know something about it was very charming to me like it's very it reminds me of my youth um tiny sidebar I was like I think my 10-year fic posting anniversary is around this time no it was in April everyone oh no <laughs> oh I, I missed it thank you so yeah, much I met 10 years that. in like six months you well you wouldn't have known that's my one username that like nobody knows no, at I... all would not have been Top able to secret. locate it nor would I have like really been putting a ton of effort into doing <laughs> hey so. I have over 20 glee fix on there that you'd be lucky to read brenna okay. <laughs> from when i was I 14 dig through the glee tag on ff.net until i pick someone who i think is you <laughs> i wouldn't i if i were you i wouldn't <laughs> anyway um yeah so that's the prompt and uh i'll talk a little bit about just like the content and some warnings that we have about like how to engage with this fic, basically. It's a very classic, kind of like a Rule 63 gender sex swap situation where if you're a boy, you wake up as a girl, and if you're a girl, you wake up as a boy. So off the bat, this fic does have... it. The definitions that it uses for gender are pretty gender essentialist, so we just want to note that. Um, it's from Supergirl, Superboy. We'll, we'll talk about what name we're using and why, um, but it's from their perspective. And... There's not a lot of, like, backstory of growing up as a human being, um, so we don't get a ton of nuance around descriptions of gender and understandings of and feelings of gender from that perspective, that POV, and from the fic in general. So just want to note that there's also, as this focuses quite a lot on gender identity and coming into a trans identity, there's a lot of gender dysphoria that does come up in the POV, so just want to note that and flag it if it's something that you're sensitive to. So it was written, again, like 10 years ago-ish by Singular Scenery's account. It was posted on AO3 in 2018, but written and posted on LiveJournal well before that. So um, yeah, just the language in here and the way it interacts with gender is very reflective of that time in fandom. So that's something to note. Okay, yeah, we got into the plot of it quite a bit. Um, for your information in this discussion, we are going to be calling our POV character Supergirl. 
um, in the comics and in Young Justice the show. It is Superboy. In this fic, Supergirl is a trans girl, young woman. Um, she's pretty young, and so we'll be using she, her pronouns and talking about that. But the fic does open with Superboy and he, him pronouns before she goes through that whole journey. So in case you're confused, that's why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's the bulk of it. I think knowledge of the the show helped me. I don't have a ton, uh, but knowing like who they are and who their sidekicks of um, and like seeing a few episodes and getting like pretty much all of Superboy as a character's backstory is in like the first two or three episodes of Young Justice. They really cram it in there. So that helped me be oriented. Um would love to hear how my hosts who have not seen the first four episodes of Young Justice <laughs> felt about that and just about reading the fic in general. Yeah, I had a really funny moment or like funny for me while reading where I was thinking about um, I brought a, a Batman comics fic a while ago called A Hat Fashion from Tinfoil. Um, and it's basically like it's conspiracy theories that like Bruce Wayne is Batman. And I thought it was pretty, as someone who doesn't engage a lot in DC, I was like, this is pretty readable because everyone knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. And like, there are some deeper references, but I think you can skim by them. And Brenna was like, SOS, I am so lost. Um, I had that fun experience this time where like, again, I don't really engage in DC comics, but like, I used to watch Teen Titans and stuff. And like, I have friends who are into DC comics and like the Robins and stuff like that. So I thought I had like a little bit of footing. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I was doing a lot of Googling and then they, when they were switching between their like superhero names and their real yes. names, I was like, SOS, SOS. We used to be so good about like giving each other like primers for content and stuff. And now it's like the wild west. <laughs> Just good luck. Figure it out. Um, yeah. I mean, like in some regard, it didn't take me too, too long. Like I did have to do a lot of like flipping back and forth between Google and this fic at the beginning. And then I just sort of was like along for the ride and I matched up sort of the names and the superhero identities pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, it was a funny thing where I was like, oh, like I have obviously read fix for the pod before where I had no idea what the context was and I felt like a little bit out of it. I've never had that for comics before. And I was like, ah, I see. I see now. Um, yeah, Nick, I think what you were saying about this being a fic that sort of reflects the tone that fandom had around gender, um, super present, like it is very focused on the binary and, you know, in some ways it does feel a little dated, and that's not a criticism of the author. Again, they wrote this for the first time 10 years ago. Uh, my writing from less than 10 years ago sure feels dated. So, like, this is not me judging the author or anything. Um, but it was kind of interesting for me because, quite honestly, I don't read a lot of gender swap fix in whatever sort of manner or tag they are used. Um, and part of that is, like, not to get, like, hashtag real on the pod, but, like, I've got my own gender stuff going on, and sometimes for fanfiction I want to be seen, and sometimes I just want to read other stuff. Escapism. This was, like, neither of those, because the gender experience that Supergirl goes through was so far outside my own. Um, and so, yeah, some of the binary stuff and, like, gender essentialism, like, was a little strange to read, but also it was kind of, like, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but I think I appreciated reading a fic that had a really dis different perspective on a gender journey than, like, my own. Um, yeah, this fic overall felt like very teen YA, like teen, not coming of age, but it's like teen coming into yourself, um, which is, I think makes sense because they are all teens. I was assuming they were all like 14, 15. I don't know. That was not part of my Googling. I didn't really pay attention, but young justice, I know that they are kids, like they're not adults. Um, and so I think like the overall tone and the way that the characters like act and speak felt very true to sort of 
what I imagined them to be in their age for the, uh, I almost said comics, for the show. This is the show it's based on. Mm-hmm. It's the show. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, according to Google, Tim Drake, who's Robin, was born in 2001. So do, do with that what you will. I don't know what that means <laughs> in this context at all. Yeah, Reed, I appreciate your understanding that you've now come to of how I felt reading <laughs> that Bat fanfic. Um, I will say... My, I was, I was also lost in this one. I think we've clearly established now that I, Brenna, don't know anything about DC Comics, um, <laughs> in any form. DC Comics, the actual like published comic books. DC Comics, the movies. Mm-hmm. DC Comics, the TV shows. I don't know any of it. So don't ask me questions about it because I don't know. <laughs> I'm just um, realizing I did this too. As we're saying DC Comics, the name is Detective Comics. So we're technically saying Detective Comics Comics when we say but DC do Comics. just say DC? I guess. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess like, it's worth clarifying like comics first movie versus show. But I just, I'm just further elaborating on Brennan and I being little clowns who don't Detective know anything. Comics. I did not know that that's what it stood for. Me neither. <laughs> okay. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> My point is, I don't know anything about DC. I do you feel like in this one, I I was also lost. Um, the Batfam one, I felt lost. Like my my feelings of being lost were a little bit different. In the Batfam one, I felt like I should have really known these characters more, and like it was kind of frustrating to read not knowing how they were supposed to be connected, or like the family kind of ties or interpersonal connections that were there that I was supposed to really be like relying on for my understanding of like how characters were treating each other. Mm-hmm. Um, or like what I as a reader was supposed to be like, ooh, or like taking out of a thing. <laughs> yeah. This one, I didn't really have that sort of aspect of it, but it was a little bit hard to find my footing just in that I didn't know anyone. I did not do any Googling. Who cares? Um, okay, no, that's not true. I did look up how old Superboy is in the comics because I was curious about how old our, like, protag is supposed to be here. Uh, I mean, I assume they were all teenagers, but I kind of wanted to know whether she was on, like, the older side of teen or, like, the younger side. Google said that Superboy is 16, so I'm kind of assuming that's medium about teen. what medium medium sized boy here, but i don't know for sure <laughs> um that's the only googling i really did though so i don't yeah i at the beginning also like like what reed said about them using their like uh sort of like civilian given names versus their like superhero names but then also like towards the beginning they like joke around about like making basically gender swapped versions of their superhero names and then i was so lost <laughs> <laughs> i was like who is anyone Who's Mr. Martian? I don't know him. <laughs> so I just had to get past that. And luckily, like, after that, they kind of went back to just using the names that they were, like, already familiar with for each other and didn't use other versions um, as much. So that got a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, I do think that this would probably hit better if you have some more understanding of, like, the team dynamic. Because I do think it's kind of, since it's not a very romantic fic, it you do want to understand, like, the relationship that Supergirl has between, like, herself and her, like, teammates, I guess, um, as well as some of the adults in the fic, and I did not really go in knowing that, so I was trying to guess at a lot of it, and I think sometimes I got it right and sometimes I got it wrong, so, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily the target audience for this fic, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Uh, I also don't know that I'm the target audience in terms of, like, tropes or, like, what the fic is doing. In part, similarly to read, I don't really read a lot of, like, swap fic whether that's like gender or like anatomy or like whatever's kind of happening on the page or however the authors sort of choosing to refer to the change that's happening to the characters don't really read a lot of it um and I never have it's not like I used to read a lot and then didn't and it's not really for like a personal like 
reason. I just never found it a super compelling trope for me personally. I mean, this is like our, our dislikes tropes episode where it's like, it it literally is just personal preference. Like yeah. some people are like, hell yeah, this is what I want yeah. to read. And some people are like, not for me. And that's, that's fandom, baby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's something I've always been very aware of. Like I certainly have read fix for it. Like, absolutely. I just, I, I think I prefer like a straight up kind of like body swap fic or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think like also similar to what Reed was saying, it, this definitely felt like a kind of a YA fic to me in a lot of ways. And I kind of want to get into that a little bit more because I don't think it was just the fact that like the characters are young, although that is part of it. But we've definitely read other fics where like the ca- characters are teenagers. Um, and I think just like the writing style and the way that it approached Supergirl's narrative, the way her POV is told felt more adolescent to me and like almost like it was geared towards an adolescent reader who needed this story and like would have kind of benefited from watching someone around their age have these gender feelings um so I just thought that was interesting because I think most of the fic that like we read or like I read trends towards something I would categorize as like either like new adult or adult and that's sort of regardless of the character's ages that's just like the tone of the piece of mm. media and how it approaches its its reader who I think is assumed in a lot of times to be like either like very late teens plus like 18 plus basically (laughs) um where this one definitely felt like it was readable for someone a lot younger like 13 plus um i just thought that was kind of interesting and something that i wanted to like get into more as we talk about the fic sorry i have a quick retraction um my second of pod history um sure I, so you guys were like, oh, I didn't even know that DC was detective comics. And I briefly had a moment of doubt where I was like, am I a little fool? So I Googled it. No, it is detective comics, but DC itself changed its name to DC comics. And then on Wikipedia in parentheses, it goes detective comics, comics. <laughs> so I actually went I was, so like, far around that I circled back to like, ooh, actually I was right. Wow. So, uh, so my wrong goodness. you were right. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that trope. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, to speak to a couple of things that y'all were talking about first. Yeah, one thing I found so interesting about this fic was that, like, it definitely doesn't represent my own journey or relationship with gender, but I can totally see how this fic, like, could have meant so much to me if it did a little bit more. Or if I'd found it when I was younger, um, especially when I was like, oh god, what is a gender? (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm still like that kind of, but a little further down the road. Um, yeah, and also, I don't know, it's interesting. I, I probably have read quite a lot more Rule 63, Woke Up a Girl, Cis Swap, Gender Swap, Sex Swap, whatever, than the two of you. Um, not that it's, like, my favorite thing to read. I just read a lot in general. Um, and I was in a couple of fandoms where it was a pretty big trope. Uh, like, I don't know, five years ago, maybe? Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't read it in a while, but it was, like, I don't know, kind of fun to come back to like, ooh, let's make gender really wonky and like weird and mutable. I don't know. There's something kind of interesting to me about the way that the trope blurs so many lines, even if it is kind of binary, it still is like eroding the line between the two sides. I don't know. I just find it interesting. Um, There are people I'm sure who have said it quite a lot better than me. (laughs) So I'm curious to go find some meta and see if I can share it or something from, um, I've seen some really cool posts from like trans fans about the trope and what's good about it, what they don't like about it and all that stuff. So it's a very interesting and very big conversation that we probably don't have time to get into. Um, aside from that, I did want to talk a little bit about 
Young Justice, the show, and Superboy as a character's backstory, because I feel like that's very relevant to this fic. In, I think it's like the first episode of Young Justice, the sidekicks are like, we're pissed at being just sidekicks who keep getting sidelined. Let's go save the world ourselves. And so they go and they're like, oh, we got to break into this place. The Justice League just got a tip that there was stuff going on here. I'm, wow, I'm paraphrasing a lot. I didn't watch it long ago, but I don't remember a lot of details. <laughs> anyway, in this lab, um, Superboy, a kind of baby clone weapon of Superman, <laughs> as I think how anyone would describe <laughs> that character, is being grown in a lab and basically taught to be a weapon against the Justice League of like, if Superman's so cool, why don't we get our own Superman? But he's just a boy because we had to grow him. And that takes time. So Young Justice, as the sidekicks, basically bust out Superboy and are like, you're free. And Superboy's like, I'm evil. Am I evil? No, I'm not. Maybe I can be in the Young Justice. And he is. Wow, that was a beautiful summary. Anyway, um, we do see quite a lot of themes of like, very like a very young and still learning about the world character in terms of just like life experience, again, grown in a lab. Uh, we have some really interesting notions about what the purpose of life is of like, am I a weapon? Am I a person who like has my own agency and can grow and learn in new directions? Um, and then, yeah, there's just like some really interesting team dynamic stuff. I haven't watched enough to know where that goes. Um, but Superboy in the show definitely struggles in terms of like making friends. So I just thought it was interesting to see how some of that was reflected. I didn't follow everything that was going on in the fic. I, I assume this author has watched more than four episodes of Young Justice, um, though correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know how any <laughs> of you would know that. But yeah, I don't know. Just like I found it interesting and I do think the canon was useful in this case. I also felt like it read very quick as a story. I got through it fast. I was like, woo, I've made it. So that was interesting for me as well to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe that was just because I knew it was going on a little bit better. So I wasn't pausing every once in a while being like, who? Because I, ki I kind of remembered who. Yeah, Nick, one thing you kind of brought up was uh, like Supergirl's perception of herself and like role in this world and like coming from being a lab grown little clone baby. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying Yikes. to be. <laughs> Well, I think <laughs> that's the description I was given. It is the description <laughs> you were given. Sorry, evil clone baby weapon, I think, was what oh, it was. Okay, oh, okay, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah, being designed and grown as a little evil clone baby weapon uh, into trying to be, like, a fully actualized human being who, like, understands society and friendships and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I thought it was really interesting to sort of have that as a layer of their sort of journey alongside the like gender realizations I definitely think one of my favorite parts of the fic was like Supergirl thinking about basically like I'm a weapon so I'm not allowed to like have this like this generally being happiness and that happiness being very much linked to this like new body that they're in um and I just really like that aspect of it I thought it was a really interesting kind of layer to have here and brought in some like additional depth to what Supergirl is struggling with I think because I think like there's sort of a few different aspects of like what Supergirl is going through related to gender in this fic like there's sort of the personal acceptance there's the like am I going to tell other people are they going to understand like what I'm trying to tell them because there's a few times that she kind of tries to like assert herself but just like 
either doesn't have the language for it or it's like not coming across to other people the way that she intends um I don't think it's like a purposeful ignorance or like transphobia on the part of the other characters I think most of these scenes are just true miscommunication or like not understanding that this is something that like Supergirl was feeling um but I think like along with that it's interesting like an interesting part of sort of her own journey of like this is how I want to be in the world this is like what I am um was along with like her also struggle of trying to unlearn just being like a tool or a weapon and learning to be a person and part of that being that gender can like feel good and validating um so I really liked how those two were interwoven in this fic and that definitely added to sort of like the depth of her gender journey I think for me especially because like this fic like Supergirl is basically like yeah this is a lot better I'm way happier this way. (laughs) Um, And I think, like, adding a little bit more of what else she has to kind of unlearn in terms of, like, her mental perception of herself. uh, Yeah. I mean, I've said it, but I just really liked how that was handled. Yeah, Bren, and I think to your point about um, Supergirl kind of struggling to tell others in part, like, because it's maybe not coming across or, like, they're not receiving it the way that she's intending it. I thought something that was really interesting is um, they have a mission where they go on and they have to, like, distract some people at a bar um, my absolute favorite line of the fic is there, and I'll get back to that one in a second. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Supergirl goes over and kisses Aqualad for a distraction, blah, blah, blah. And then later is having a discussion with him, um, and he's basically like, you know, like, if this is a thing you want to explore, like, once we're all swapped back, that's okay. But, like, things, like, basically, Aqualad is like, the feelings that you might be having that you're trying to, like, you're going through this human experience are muddled because of this gender swap we're all in. And Supergirl is like, no, like, I, I'm a girl. And he's like, yeah, for now, but then blah, blah. And Supergirl's like, no, I'm a girl. And, like, this is how I feel. And, like, I know my feelings about, like, myself and attraction, or at least I'm, like, discovering it. Um, And there's a line, there's, like, an internal narration line there that is something like, Supergirl isn't stupid. Like, she knows how she feels. Like, just because other people aren't understanding what she's saying doesn't mean that she doesn't mean it or that, like, it's not important. I just thought it was interesting, like, She's so, like, she spends so much of this fic struggling, but by the end when she sort of, like, realizes how she feels and, like, is sort of accepting it, she's like, I'm speaking and you're just not hearing me clearly. Um, Which I also just thought was, like, a nice character development. And then, like, sort of that gets resolved a little bit later when Aqualad was like, oh, I did not take our conversation correctly. Sorry, I'll do some, I'll do some rethinking on my end. (laughs) I'll Um, do some internal work. Yeah, um, I do, because I mentioned it, I do just have to shout out, this line made me genuinely laugh out loud. So, like, basically, like, Aqualad, who is, again, like, gender-swapped and is presenting as a girl, is supposed to, like, flirt with a guy at a bar and, like, isn't doing it well. And then the team, through, I think, like, a psychic link, is having this whole conversation about, like, but, like, girls flirting with each other or, like, kissing each other is hot and could distract this person. Um, And Supergirl's like, okay, I got it. And so then in the... (laughs) Sure, I'm a girl. (laughs) In the debrief that they give to Batman, um, it's Supergirl and Megan, who is an alien, and I think also has Megan, has similar, Miss Martian, thank you, has similar, like, it seems like uh, difficulty sometimes understanding Earth norms. Um, So they're explaining this plan, and they're like, everything's great, everyone's like, can you please stop telling things to Batman? Um, And Supergirl goes, the target thought Aqualad was a homosexual in an uninteresting way. And so we decided he should be one in an interesting way. <laughs> and it genuinely made it, me laugh out loud. I was like, yeah, me too. I'm the uninteresting so homosexual. Oh, no. 
<sighs> it was good. Yeah, I really liked their dynamic. Um, they were like the all like Miss Miss Martian and Supergirl. I almost said Super Lad. We're we're mixing <laughs> things up. Oh um, no, 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 Supergirl. Um, the dynamic in the show between Miss Martian and Superboy is interesting. Like, I think it's the potentially romantic something or other i don't know they, there's like some potential crushing happening i think from what i've seen in the show but nothing like you know like ki- kids show tension um but i don't know i just thought their dynamic was fun and like miss martian is a shapeshifter canonically that's her power so she is by far the least affected out of all of them like emotionally about being in a different body she's mostly just annoyed she can't change at will um she's sort of stuck for the time being but that was interesting, too, that, like, there was a gender-fluid character here because she genuinely, like, I don't know if that's how she would identify, but she doesn't care. She'll be in whatever body she wants, and, like, that's fine with her. So, I don't know. I like their dynamic in it, too. I thought it was interesting. Okay, I do have a bone to pick with this fic. Okay. Um, We've discussed, I think in a recent episode, Brenna was like, ooh, the characters, they're not drinking enough water. And, like, <laughs> you know, it's a minor, it's a fic thing. You just let it go. Uh-huh. Sometimes. If you're not me, you let it go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's Brenna's hill. And my hill in this fic is... Okay, so they have a fight and then they're like, like, okay, we have to go to the mall and go clothes shopping. And it's a whole discussion about bras and... Okay, I know that when people get measured for their bra sizes, it can be really different by the mall and whatever. But Supergirl goes and gets measured and is a C cup. And then there's all this, like, narration that's like, oh, but she wasn't wearing a bra when she was fighting and it was totally fine. And then she gets all these, like, cute bras to wear. And I was like, where's your sports bra? Are you where's okay, your, girl? You're crime fighting. And she was like, oh, she, like, didn't even really notice. Like, yeah, maybe they moved around a bit. I was like, no. Again, you a C cup can mean different things. But, like, you would notice. And it would hurt. Are you good? Get you a sports bra. I really yeah. was upset. I was upset when it was, like, the cute outfits she wants to fight in. Totally fine. You want to you wanna fight yeah. in your, like, pink dress? Go for it. Get you a crime fighting sports bra. <laughs> I did remember thinking that why why didn't any of them buy sports bras? Because clearly, especially the one the like the other members who also were now like shopping for bras, like did not want to be wearing anything that looked feminine. Wanted very like utilitarian clothes. I was like, why aren't you buying sports bras? Yeah, They're gonna serve easy. you the best in this for so, Kid every. Flash, you're moving so thing. fast. Kid Fat Flash, put on put on a sports bra. <laughs> I have friends who can work out. Like, I have a friend who recently was like, oh, yeah, when I go running, I don't need a bra. Or, like, I don't need a sports bra. I don't, I do not understand that. Sometimes, sometimes my boobs hurt just for nothing. They just yeah, hurt. Yeah, duh. Like, <laughs> is that not the universal <laughs> left experience? No. Yeah, so um, if I really had one one nitpicky critique for this fic, it's um, please give your character sports bras. I'm upset. Yeah. Um, the last thing I did want to make sure that we got to mention in this discussion before we close here is the ending of the fic. So for kind of the back third of the fic, for most of it, they all are under the impression that they're going to perform some like spell or ritual that will undo this like, I guess, curse, magical effect that was put upon them and revert them to the forms that they were originally in when they were hit by the magic. And Supergirl is understandably pretty bummed. She's like, hey, wait, I love this body. I love presenting like this. Um, Can I just stay like this? But she doesn't really seem to know. She doesn't have language to communicate why it's important to her. And there's a lot of like runarounds of, oh, no, it'll be fine. We'll do the magic. Don't worry about it. We've got this. Um, And the way the author handled it, I thought was very clever. So toward the end of the fic, as they're about to perform this ritual, 
um, instead of doing revert to your former self, they end up changing the language to be revert to true self. So I don't know. I just thought it was very like sweet and affirming that Supergirl got to stay in the body that she wanted to be in at the end of the fic of like, yes, this is what I was hoping for. And all of them have that moment that I think we referenced of like, oh, <laughs> I see what was happening here. Actually, they didn't understand until I got to that moment. Um, I just know. I just thought it was really sweet. And I think it really fit the tone of the fic and the message that the story was trying to get across about like self and identity and coming into yourself. So yeah, that was our discussion of Blondes Really Do Have More Fun by Suzuki Blue. Um, just a really sweet coming-of-age story, really. Um, com- coming-of-self story, I guess you could say. Um, set in a very fun canon-compliant setting. Felt very much like a, an, an episode fic. Not like a case fic, but like an ep fic, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so very sweet. Thank you, Singular Sunnery, for the recommendation. Appreciate it, appreciate you. For a fic that centers on a character named Supergirl and also has Superman, there was an astonishing lack of cameos from K-pop group Super M. Thankfully, that's rectified in our next fic. Read. So my fic is The What is Warping, The Lines Distorting by Lil Cricky. It is a fic for the fandom NCT Band, which is a K-pop group. The relationship is Mark Lee, Johnny Su, and it is a canon-compliant fic. This one was sent in to us by Kalista, thank you so much. And for her short description on why she shows it, she said, Mark-centric character study, Johnny Mark, Idolverse. Professional idol TM Mark Lee is absolutely fully capable. Exploration of idol sonas, fame, identity, sense of duty. Um, which, you know, if you've listened to any of our other K-pop fics on the pod, we are fans of those things. <laughs> So the main theme of this fic really is that Mark is struggling um, with himself and who he is. He has a lot of thoughts about sort of, um, if you don't know who Mark Lee is or NCT or any of these things, um, Mark Lee is a little lad who is in so many groups. He does so many things. He is under the company SM Entertainment and SM is like, this is our golden boy. Let's make him do one bajillion projects. Um, And so the Mark Lee of this fic is like, he's got the person that he is for NCT 127, he's got the person that he is for Super M. He, like, he has all these different versions of himself. The person that he is even amongst his, like, friends and his, like, fellow band members um, who all feel different and he doesn't really know which of them, if any, are real or, like, what parts of him are real. He's, like, really, really struggling with sort of that divide. Um, and just in general, yeah, like, sense of identity. Idolism as a career. Um, so that's that's the vibe. And before I get more into this fic, I just wanted to give some content warnings. Uh, I'm pretty much just going to read what the author's notes at the end say, because I think they sum it up pretty well. The fic is tagged for anxiety attacks and mildly dubious consent. Uh, And just for some elaboration on both of those things, the author said in their ending note, Mark engages in sexual activities with two of the members because he feels he is obligated to help them. He is not an unwilling partner in any of these activities, but he does not actively enjoy them. At most, this could be considered dubious consent, but all parties consent to the acts written. And also, Mark has a panic attack around the middle of the story. Um, The author tells you where you can skip that if you don't want to read it. And sort of just along with, like, anxiety and panic attacks, I would just say, like, this is a lot about, like, heavy mental health stuff. Uh, Again, Mark Lee not having a good time in this fic. So if any of those things sound like things that you are sensitive to or wouldn't want to read, um, just keep that in mind. 
yeah, as I kind of said before, um, this fic really holds a lot of things that we on the pod are fans of. The sort of difficulties between the public and private self and identities and, um, I don't know. I mean, like, we are very much fans of canon-compliant K-pop stuff. I feel like a large portion of K-pop fics are AUs, and I do love an AU, but, like, you know, as with any fandom, it's like, I was drawn in by the source material, and so... I always love fics that explore it and explore the characters, so to speak, like in that setting. Um, and this fic does that really well. And then it's like, let's just make you sad. Let's make you sad about Markley and all the ways in which he is struggling and like doesn't really know how to ask for help and like doesn't even fully get why he's struggling um, because he's working so hard to be perfect. He's going back through all of his interviews and like picking out all the things he could have done better. And he's practicing a dance relentlessly over and over again for a comeback. And everyone's like, Mark, like, you're doing fine, bud. Why don't you take a break? Why don't you watch a movie? And he's like, I have no time for movies. I must work myself into the ground. Don't and speak it's like to me of your silly movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's like, actually, Mark, I think it would be okay if you take a break. And and spoilers, by the end of the fic, Mark also figures that out, but it's a tough journey to get there. So in addition to that, which are just, you know, all themes that I am into, I also really liked the cast of characters, so to speak. Um, most of the people that Mark interacts with are other members of NCT 127, but he also talks to, um, some other people that are in Super M with him, and, um, I really, really liked those scenes. I just liked, in general, like, seeing when Mark got to be outside of just, like, his own self-spiral and got to interact with other people, like, you really get, like, a sense of the world that he's in and, like, the ways in which other people are perceiving him and how that doesn't exactly align with how he sees himself. And I thought that was really well done and really interesting. Um... Yeah, I liked this fic. It was a great wreck. I was also really surprised this is only the second NCT fic we'd done. Um, I was convinced that we had done more than one NCT fic, but uh, the only other one we've done for the pod is uh, the one we did for the Halloween special last year, which is a choose-your-own horror adventure. So I was also delighted to be able to bring... Well, I didn't bring, but thank you, Kalista, for sending in an NCT fic so that we could talk about these lads a little for bit For enabling more. us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Always appreciate mm-hmm. that. Um... Yeah, obviously I have more thoughts and things to get into, but I will turn it over to the two of you first. What did you think? How was your reading experience? Yeah, I think I felt particularly enabled by this uh, recommendation, (laughs) seeing as NCT uh, is my favorite of the K-pop groups at the moment. Um, Yeah, I've read a lot of fic for them. Not much has been brought to the pod, but we're also not trying to just be a K-pop fic only pod over here, so we gotta... (laughs) Balance our picks, balance our groups, all that kind of good we stuff. We do it for so. you, Ficklets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was fun to read about these lads who I am pretty familiar with. I definitely felt like I had a lot more of like a solid footing for this fic than the other two because, again, I'm actually familiar with the fandom and like the characters involved. Uh, so that was kind of nice because all three of these, I think, are pretty like ensemble heavy fics. Um, they're not just like, oh, the two main characters who are falling in love. It's There's a lot of side characters and people who are involved in their lives in different ways. So it was nice in this one to be able to open it up and immediately feel familiar with everyone. I've also read other fics by Cricket, so I was also familiar like with this author. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a much more like familiar feeling fic to me than the other two, which like, we read a lot of stuff I'm unfamiliar with on the pod. And that's one of the reasons like, I love doing this. Like I read a ton of stuff I wouldn't normally, but um, I think especially because all three of the fics we read this uh, week were a little bit longer than some of our usual picks. Like, I came to this one last, I like saved it till the end because I knew it was going to be the easiest read for me. And I was like, ah, my boys who I know. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm not confused. Um, so that was just like a nice experience in terms of like the overall week's week's reading list for us. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this. I like again, they're my favorite K-pop boys. I also enjoy Mark and Johnny as characters a lot individually and together. Um, and I thought the side characters were also like very compelling in this fic. I really liked how people were introduced. Um, and I think it just a, it was an interesting exploration of what it means to like be an idol and how that can fuck with your head a bit. Um, I think one of Mark's big struggles is feeling like he is losing the definition between like Mark of SM fame and then like Mark Lee, boy from Canada. Um, and like he doesn't really know how to make that divide clearer to himself or like what should be on either side of that or what exists in the middle that crosses over to both and that's really messing with him and I just thought that that was like an interesting premise I also think that's something that's interesting with reading honestly like any RPF fic which obviously we read a lot of is like we don't know these people and also there's not really like a set set of like canon stuff that we're working off of we don't have like a book where we can pull all of the characters lines of dialogue and like analyze them and try and figure out how they speak and stuff like especially with k-pop there's so much content and idols like do present themselves differently either over time or in different settings or on the stage versus behind the scenes content and so like a big job of like an rpf writer is to create an interpretation of that person and i think this is a very specific interpretation of Mark Lee in this fic. It's definitely different than like other fics I've read with him, even including other like of Cricket's fics with him. <laughs> um, and kind of different than like how I would like headcanon Mark Lee. But I thought it was a really inter interesting interpretation of what he's he, he could potentially be going through and how he would deal with that. Um, and yeah, like I just thought it was interesting to ride along with this Mark of NCT for a little bit in this fic. Yeah, um, y if you have a keen eye, you might see that I have clearly read this fic before. Um, I am briefly shouted out in the author's notes, what's up, Cricket? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got early access. Um, yeah, it's it was really fun to return to. I think when I first read the fic, I knew much less about NCT 127. So it's also fun to like read some of these fics back. Um by Cricket and by, you know, other folks and any fandom that I've baited for where I don't, like, know what's happening all the time when I have a little bit more knowledge and I can follow stuff more easily. Wow. You love to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I love the whole question of how do you create a coherent, like, whole aligned identity when you have to split yourself apart for your own well-being? Uh, I just think it's so interesting and so compelling. That's a big reason I'm so interested in Idolverse as like a canon verse. Uh, I could talk about fame for a long time. We know this. Oh, um, could you? Wow. Yeah, we know it, Reed. I said I made the let's, joke already, let's do Reed. Let's it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So as Fit Click Nicole, actually, I just have a lot of angst about my identity. Um, <laughs> and like being famous is really hard. Tell us more. Oh, should I? <laughs> Maybe I should talk about the fic more, though. Maybe you should okay, talk about okay, the fic. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just, like, so... There's so much stuff in here that I find so interesting to look at. I think there's interesting stuff on, like, I don't know, boundaries and 
how they can be enacted and how those boundaries can be beneficial to you and like hurt someone else at the same time. I thought that was a really interesting thing that was explored here. I think I liked the characterization of people. I think like Brenna said, it's not like the mark that I'm most familiar with in the handful of NCT fics that I've read, but I like that. I think it's always nice to get a reminder that like our perspective of someone is just one perspective. And so I think it's cool to see different angles and different takes that could still be, I don't know, plausible. I just think that's really interesting. Um, as someone who is currently writing multiple RPF works uh, <laughs> for various fandoms, it's something that I've definitely been thinking about. I also was thinking uh, before we started the discussion on this fic, just about how like I thought it was a really interesting mental health arc. We'll talk about that more, I'm sure. But like the we start in such a place of like frustration but stasis and I was so interested about how like there's movement and there's challenge and there's difficulty and in some ways he starts feeling worse but that's the catalyst to then feeling better later and ending with a lot of lightness with him I don't know I just really liked that I thought that it was a really cool way to look at someone accepting themselves and I think it was very realistic about the challenges of that and how hard it is and to do that in a spotlight so that people are watching you and when it's about not knowing who you are when people are looking at you that makes it all a lot harder so yeah I mean a lot of this was just like Nick bait so <laughs> <laughs> happy to uh, take the bait and also discuss and enjoy so thank you Kalista as well for or Kalista maybe I don't know for the recommendation yeah, when both of you were talking about sort of like, oh, like maybe the mark in my head or the mark that I've read in other fics is like different than this mark. I was thinking about, sorry, Brenna, you might know the actual wording. I'm definitely going to misquote it. But for some reason, there's a video of Mark that's just running in my brain where he's like on a beach and he's like, dude, this beach is like different than other beaches. Yes, Mark Lee, astounding <laughs> observation. Yeah, um, I think one of the other members is like, we're like, wait, what? <laughs> just breeze past it. It's another markism. Like, yeah, like I thought they were all the same. But this Mark. one's different. Uh, Markley, what a gem. What a gem. Um, And, like, obviously, the mark from that snippet of that video is, like, probably putting on a little bit of, you know, a funny persona or whatever. Like, it's not that he can't have the duality of, like, being goofy on camera and then also, like, having all of these deep internal thoughts that the mark of this fic does. But it is, like, my brain trying to connect the two between, mm -hmm. like, fi trying to find the line between them sometimes is just jarring in a in a funny way i think one thing i found really interesting about this fic and how it immediately establishes its premise is that mark is thinking about the different hats he wears um the different faces he presents and he says like in like the first scene like these personas they're not not him like they are mark they are some there is a truth to them but they're just the best parts of him or the parts that he chooses to show at that moment um and shortly after, he's reflecting on stage names, which I think is a really interesting thing in sort of the K-pop world, um, where some idols, yeah, have have different stage names and real names, and some don't. Like, Mark is, he's just Mark. He's SM's Mark Lee, and that's, that's <laughs> that lad. Um, and Mark even thinks, even if he had a stage name, that doesn't mean that he'd have a clear divide. Like, he muses on the fact that he doesn't remember the last time he called Hei-chan by his real name and not Hei-chan. Um, which I thought was interesting, because... I feel like, maybe it's just me, but like I feel like the tendency if you're talking about the division between stage name and real name is to put a lot of emphasis, like the stage name is one person and this is another person. And it comes up multiple times, like in talking to Jungwoo too, where it's like, uh, having a stage name doesn't always imply like a divide between who you are on camera and who you are off it, but it definitely adds that layer of like Mark's 
angst about like, who am I? What face am I supposed to be presenting? What do I keep for myself? Do I have anything good? Like anything good of myself to keep? Or like, am I just keep pouring? Do I just keep pouring all of the best parts of me into the personas that are on camera? Which is quite sad. Mark, (laughs) so much of this fic, he is just not having a good time. He's struggling. Yeah, I think in speaking of his struggling, a big piece of this fic, like Reed mentioned in the content warnings, is for pretty much the first half of the fic, he is engaging in sexual activities that he would really rather not be. Um, He feels kind of bad afterwards, but he also, I don't know, he, he thinks a lot about how he wants to do it and should be doing it. And also how he kind of wishes that he wasn't. And it's very, very interesting. I think there's just so much there about obligation and about his role in the team and what he, I don't know, what what he thinks he has of of value to offer other people. I don't know. It was very sad. Uh, And I think it really drove home how much he's struggling. And a huge moment in this fic is when he cuts off those relationships with the two members um, that he was having that regular sex with that I didn't want to be having. And he's like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. And it doesn't blow up in his face the way he'd been worried about. They don't need him for that in the way that he'd feared, I think. So I just thought that was a really interesting thing that speaks to a lot of the same. It's like it's parallel to a lot of his journey. Yeah, I thought that all that was like interestingly handled too, because it's not that Mark in those scenes is like, actively like i'm having a terrible time get me out of here (laughs) like he's having a fine time he would just kind of rather be doing something else and like would probably rather be hanging out with those members in like a different context like it's not that he doesn't love them or want to spend time with them that's just like not his preferred method of connecting with them at this time and like if he was gonna fool around with someone he'd rather not be them i just thought that was like an interesting way to approach it where like there definitely is this feeling of like obligation But also, like, it's not done just out of Mark being like, I have to provide them with this. Like, he wants to provide them with something, and he just thinks that that's what they want from him. So I think that sort of, like, was an interesting dynamic to their friendships. Because I think also, like, the conversation he has later on with Yuta after, like, he's like, I don't really want to do that anymore. Where Yuta's like, I love you anyway. Like, I'm always going to love you. Like, you're my best friend. Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Was a very, like, good conversation for Mark to have. And, like, I think a good, like, a good positioning of Yuta in this story as well. Um, To be one of those members who reassures Mark that, like, it doesn't really matter, like, what Mark wants to give them in terms of, like, how the friendship is presented. Like, they just want to be friends with him. They just want to, like... They just want him to feel like he can be open with them in whatever way that that manifests. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked that conversation and I, I thought it was well done how it wasn't like, like, it would have been a lot more uncomfortable to read Mark being like, I need to leave all the time. Don't touch me. This is wretched, which like it wasn't. It was just sort of in this space of like. Again, I think it's just, like, he really wanted to be able to provide them with something. And that's just what he thought he had to offer. So, um, yeah. And I I don't know. That also comes back around to, like, a pretty pivotal conversation with, like, him and Johnny later on. Where Johnny sort of has, like, known that Mark's been hooking up with these members. But, like, thought it was a lot more, like... Enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Yeah, exactly. Than it has been. Um, and Johnny gets, like, very upset and kind of concerned regarding that um which then leads to a lot of mark's other fucked up feelings (laughs) 
<laughs> um, and anxieties. This, wow, Mark Lee. He's having a bad Boy, time. howdy. <laughs> Things aren't going great, are they, bud? Every time he, like, works through one one portion of his feelings, there's, like, a whole nother part waiting, yeah. lying in wait to be like, want to feel bad about this now? And he's like, yeah. no, but I guess I'm going to. <laughs> um, in, a, in a classic me, I am going to just pull lines to read but not oh. from the fic oh. from a different from a different media um because <laughs> I, I, was say a different fic like, I was like bold <laughs> choice <laughs> no um but yeah like so you were just mentioning like the conversation with johnny and there's like a bit where like things are going really well like he finds out like mm-hmm. oh maybe johnny does view him as more than just like the little brother and like the feelings might be reciprocated and then it just gets like yanked from him and he's yeah johnny's kind of mean in that scene stop it john <laughs> Johnny is kind of mean to him. I think especially because you're in Mark's head and you're like... Yeah, which probably exacerbates everything. Yeah. But. Um, so, like, after that, it's, it's again, it's one of those, like, ooh, one thing kind of gets resolved and then other things start breaking to pieces and Mark is just sort of, like, laying in bed and he's like, ah, all that motivation he had to, like, go to dance practice, to do whatever, like, where did that go? He's just sort of, like, languishing. Um, and it made me think about... Um, everyone's beloved novel, Gideon the Ninth. Um, <laughs> everyone's oh, yeah. beloved novel. I love that book. You know, yeah. The book of the well, people. <laughs> the book that I um, texted Brenna about multiple times where I was like, they're lesbians. And Brenna was like, hey, I'm screen sharing something for work. Can you stop texting me? <laughs> God, I am so mortified. sorry about that. I like never have to screen share for work. Like it's so rare. But I was on an all day training call and they oh needed to God. see my screen for a bunch of like tech stuff. And... Like, I get my text sent to my computer. I only saw the aftermath of this. It was like Reed being like, I'm out of my gore. They're in love. And I was like, like, I had to text you under my desk being like, Reed, I'm so sorry. Can you please not text me for the next like two hours? I like, like tail between my legs crawled into our Discord server and was like, I'm mortified. And I, I will so never text you again. I that though. And I was like, this sounds so mean. Oh my gosh, I really thought something bad might have happened. I was like, is there, like, tension? Like, what's going on here? But then it was okay. No. It was okay, yeah. I just didn't really need, like, (laughs) the much older woman who was training me to accidentally be reading those text messages. Like, okay, all things considered, it could have been so much worse for so many reasons. Especially because I was quoting lines from the book, and they could have been something, like, gory. It could have been something weird. Uh And it was me just being, like, rattle. Oh, I literally said all capitals, (laughs) rattle, rattle, rattle. So, like... That was, like, the first one that, like, slid into my screen. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'm sorry. Yes, please read your line. Oh, yeah, no, no. I mean, I'm the one who brought it up. Anyway, despite that brief moment of utter humiliation, this is a beloved book. Um, and listen, Mark in this fic, it's very sad. Like, I feel very bad for him, but I did, I kind of made myself laugh because I was thinking about this line from Gideon the Ninth, where similarly, like, she has some stuff and, ooh, it seems like things are finally going to go her way and then the rug gets pulled out from under her and it's, uh, quite bad. And so the book reads, It would have been neater, perhaps, if all of Gideon's disappointments and woes from birth downward had used this moment as a catalyst. If... Filled with a new and fiery determination, she had equipped herself down there in the dark with a fresh ambition to become free. She didn't. She got the depression. <laughs> like, like, Mark of this fake, yeah. like, Mark, he got the depression. He got the depression. Yeah, and Mark is actively like, I want, I want to be out there, like, doing stuff. Uh-huh. Help. God, yeah. I wish I had the no. energy to continue overworking myself. Yeah. He's like, ooh, getting out of bed, eating food, showering, no thanks. And I'm like, Mark, the depression. The depression, my boy. And like 10 calls him and 10's like, 
hey, do you want to, like, dance or, like, get lunch or whatever? And Marcus, like, who told you? Who told you I needed to leave my room? And Ten was like, no one. I just like hanging out. Which, like, Marcus I think is a very real... <laughs> and then turns off That's his brutal. phone. That's Bye. so valid, though. <laughs> do like, not Mark- reach me. I will me. avoid my like... problems. <laughs> Something we were talking about in, like, our pre-discussion and stuff is, like... I think the conversations that Mark has with the other members at times feel really, like, heightened. Like, sometimes we were like, wow, this character felt kind of mean. Or, like, this character, like, what? But I think so much of that is filtered through Mark's own, like, self-doubt and anxieties. And I was thinking about that with, like, the scene with Ten, where, like, Ten is being just a good regular friend, being like, hey, Marky, like, let's get lunch. Let's dance. And Mark's, like, internally, like... You, why would you ever want to fucking dance with me? Like, you're the best one at SM and I'm just a little clown boy. Like, you could never want to just hang out with me on my own. <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm so, once again, I'm sorry for laughing. Like, he's really going through it. But I feel like that explains a lot, too, about, like, the how the other members are presented in this fic. Because we're so deep in Mark's head and, like, how he's filtering everything. And it's not, like, neutral. It's yeah. through this veil of, like, deep anxiety and, like, uh, not being sure about his like place with his friends and with the other members. Yeah, you're not gonna love this, but it is he does do quite a lot of projective identification in this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll take it this time. Like, <laughs> it's true. It's so it's basically like confirmation bias through projection. So you project feelings that you have about mm-hmm. yourself onto someone else, and then you behave in a way that reaffirms that you think they feel that way about you or that they're behaving in that way that you're like upset about. So he basically drives people away and then, and this is very common for people who are depressed in general, but like driving people away by being very like mean and harsh and snappish and withdrawn and then being like, wow, yeah, no wonder no one wants to hang out with me. I'm just the worst. They hate me. It's like, no, Mark, but they just want to hang out with you. They're your friends. (laughs) Anyway, just thinking about that. Um, I was thinking about, because Brett and I are both laughing. Again, the fic, like, serious set. But another I'm thing so that made sorry, me laugh Natalie. that was, like, perhaps... Okay, this line I do think was meant to be at least a little bit funny. That's pretty good. Um, but perhaps a little tonally dissonant was, um, in again, in this conversation with Johnny, where Johnny's like, I'm so worried about you. You've been acting so strange. Blah, blah, blah. Um, like, Mark's like, I don't know, dude, I'm just tired. I'm, like, tired all the time. And Johnny's like, maybe you have Lyme disease? <laughs> Wait, like... Johnny, like, Johnny literally is like, oh, shit, like, my friend is clearly suffering from, like, burnout and, like, extreme, like, mental pressure and all these other things. Maybe it's Lyme disease. Maybe it's Lyme disease. Yeah, it probably was. <laughs> Johnny, please. Um, I, like, really laughed at that. I just really feel like, to me, that added a lot of layers to his backstory. Like, I want to know more about <laughs> what Cricket thinks Johnny's life was like before this fic, that that's where his brain went. I'm just yeah. obsessed with it. You never know when someone's backstory might have Lyme disease in it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, so deep in Mark's depression hole, um, where he's having a real bad yeah, time yeah. Um, and has kept sort of pushing his friends away, he goes out for dinner with Baekhyun and Kai of EXO and Super M. And, and well, he's, fic- he's tricked into dinner. He's, he's tricked into going to dinner with Baekhyun and Kai. Um, in this fic, Jongin, but you. Listeners might know him as Kai from EXO. Um, He's my bias. Oh. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> from EXO or like yeah. from Super M? No, from, no, okay. from EXO. Okay. Who's your Super M bias? Um, Taeyong. No, Taemin. Taemin? Okay. Taemin. Okay. Um, I was like, if you say bacon, that'd be really funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Mark goes out to dinner 
with Baekhyun and Jonghyun. And um, they're basically, like, very... He becomes very aware that they, like, know that he has not been having a good time and that they're sort of there to talk to him about stuff and try and get him to, like, open up a little bit and let people know what's going on in his brain so that his friends can be there for him. And I do think it was a really smart move to have it be some people who are... Well, like close to him, but also outside of the sphere of like directly one two seven or dream or something like the people he spends a lot of time with, um, and like with one two seven like lives with. Um, so I thought that was like a smart choice on the author's behalf to take Mark a little bit outside of that like feeling of like these are the people you live with and everything like that, but it's still people he's familiar with, and it's also people who he's like looked up to in his career they're older than him and have more experience in the industry and I think could like provide some more I mean this is probably also what Young thought when he was like <laughs> orchestrating things <laughs> but like the wildest you know, blind date of all time <laughs> yeah exactly um like where Bacon's really trying to get out of Mark like what is he so afraid of like what's really at the root of a lot of these anxieties that he's having about performing about being in this group about how he is with his members and mark finally gets around to sort of coming to a realization that a lot of it is about whether or not people will like him if he's really him and bacon being like you need to trust yourself and like believe that you're good enough as you are and i liked bacon's perspective on it because i think earlier mark had sort of been feeling like either i'm Mark Lee of NCT, which is a totally fake persona I've just put on, or I'm like the real Mark who I have no idea who he is, and like, how am I ever supposed to like reach that unattainable like realness? And as I was reading it, I was kind of thinking like, Mark, like no one is an authentic self without like the reflection of others. Like you are always parts of people around you, and how you present yourself to them is always reflects back on your true self. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I liked how Bacon came at it with like a, it's not about like trying to completely like take off these layers to reveal some like core hidden truth but more about like accepting that like you should concentrate on like what you enjoy like what you love like present those parts and like those are good enough um and I like that like when Mark starts to kind of feel a little bit better later on in this fic a lot of it is by him trying to be happy with like himself like being happy with his performance being happy with what he recorded and not trying to be a perfectionist about it like I thought those all made a lot more sense for him coming into himself rather than like him like having some realization of like wow I never should have been an idol I should have been a lemon farmer <laughs> I don't know oh totally oh, what? A, a lemon farmer oh you know lemon. that classic yeah. occupation of lemon farmer <laughs> yeah 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 of course I do think that transitions nicely to, um, as we sort of mentioned before, Mark goes to Utah and Jungwoo is like, hey, I don't want to keep like hooking up and doing the thing that we've been doing. Um, and he has a conversation with Jungwoo after he has the um, Kai and Baekhyun intervention. And it is kind of funny because he's like, I don't want to keep doing this. And Jungwoo's like, you don't want to hang out with me anymore? And Mark was like, no, 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 I do. I do. Just like, just hanging out. Um, but then Mark's kind of like, how do you, how do you do it? Like, do you ever feel like you're not the real you and also like how do you deal with the way other people see you and Jungwoo says you can't make everyone happy Mark so you might as well start with yourself and I just thought that was a really nice way to sort of like put a bow on the conversation that Mark had just had um and sort of like get at the heart of like the issues he was having and the resolution he was coming to um yeah I thought that scene was nice 
Yeah, so that was our discussion of The What is Warping, The Lines Distorting by Lil Cricky. Uh, once again, thank you so much to Kalista for the recommendation. Um, selfishly, yeah, love to talk about K-pop on the pod. Love to talk about the NCT boys. Um, I think this fic hit a lot of things that all three of us really, really like. Uh, yeah, glad I got to discuss it with y'all. Mark can't stand one day more of not knowing who he is. But at the end of the day, if he only looked down, he would see that participating creative act with friends would give him a heart full of love. Which is what the Les Mis characters have in Brenna's fic. Let's get into it. <laughs> So my fic for this episode is You Dance Dreams by Lady Ragnall. Uh, this is a fic for Les Mis. Uh, Les Miserables. I don't know how to fucking say it. Oh, don't at no. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> get ready for disappointment when I mispronounce your faves' names. <laughs> um, this fic was very kindly submitted to us by Bird. Thank you, Bird, for this recommendation. Uh, they wrote that this was the comfortiest of comfort fics. I come back to it year after year, despite being a decade out from this fandom. The best execution of a college AU, i.e. author, has a very niche and specific skill set, and it is so delightfully apparent and treated dearly. I feel very rattles the bars of my cage about all the <laughs> friendships in this bad boy, the truest hallmark of a good Les Mis fic. TLDR, one-sided, absolutely moony pining until aggressive co competency and camaraderie turns the tides. There is friendship, there is opera, and there is ballet! That is all very true, and basically kind of what you need to know about this thing. <laughs> so thank you, Bird, for doing a lot of the work for me on introducing this one. Um, there really aren't any content warnings I feel you need for this. It's very, like, nice as a work. Not a lot of bad things happen to our characters. Uh, like, they do briefly get, briefly get sick, but it's just a cold and, like, no one has any sort of serious conditions from it. Um, so, yeah. No warnings for this one. Um, a new feeling for us, generally. <laughs> um, so yeah, as was mentioned, this is a college AU. Um, it follows Grantaire as our POV character. Um, they are all sort of, all of the main characters in this fic are seniors at an unspecified college university, and they're all somewhere in like the performing arts side of things, uh, whether that's dance. Uh, so we have Grantaire and Florial, who are in the ballet program. Um, we have um, Comfer, who's like direct writing and directing this opera. Uh, we've got Anjoros, which is who's the love interest in this, who uh, is like a vocal major. Um, he is singing in the opera in this one. Um, so everyone's sort of in the performing arts. They all know each other and are loosely a friend group at the beginning of this with like, you know, closer friendships throughout. Um, as I mentioned, the sort of premise of this is that Comfer uh, decides that as his sort of senior capstone thesis project, uh, he's going to adapt Shakespeare's Midsummer Night's Dream into an opera. Um, that seems like a hell of a lot of work for <laughs> a college senior in their undergrad, but um, he freaking does it and it goes off really well. He enlists his friends to help and like in specific for our here, uh, Grantaire to choreograph some ballet pieces uh, that would go in different parts of the um, opera. So 
that's the premise of the story. Um, we follow Grantair through basically this entirety of his like senior year of college. Uh, this fic is 60k, so it's a bit longer than our usual reading length. Uh, but it was fun to read something on the longer side. Like we talk so much about short fics, I think it is nice to be able to speak about what works well in long ones as well. Um, yeah, I I am not familiar with like the canon of Lemis or the characters, so. Um, yeah, it took me a little bit to get my footing, but I think Grantair was like a very nice POV character to read along from. Uh, and once you get a little bit into it, it becomes a lot easier to follow, even without sort of any outside knowledge. At least that was my reading experience. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good things I want to talk about once we get into this fic, uh, including, I think, just like the the author's clear and deep love of performing arts and ballet, <laughs> um, which came through so strongly in this fic and I think was something that we all really liked about it. But before we get into any of that, my lovely co-hosts, how did you enjoy this one? Well, um, this was both my first Les Mis fic and also my um, triumphant return to the Les Mis scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't watch a lot of films. I have seen the Les Mis movie musical either five or six times, four of those in <laughs> theaters when it came out. <laughs> ah, wow. I love that film. I cannot help it. Um, I was going to try and make it seven this week, but it was too busy, unfortunately. So, Ficklets, um, if you want to hang out with me and watch the Les Mis movie musical, this should is like one a- of the only movie nights you'll get me to join. Should so- we have like a Fit Click movie night? We for should. It? Yeah. I'm literally ready. I've only seen it once. It, you're ready, but your great. schedule is not. We'll, we'll have uh, it in like two months. I, <laughs> we can we can find somewhere. We'll find a time. It's I will prioritize for the Les Miserables movie musical, as we know. Um, so in some ways it felt like coming home. In some ways it felt like I was running around in the darkness, and I didn't know it was happening. And I liked that too. Um, I really liked this fic. I liked this fic way more than I was expecting to. Um, If you advertise something to me as the comfortiest of comfort fics, the odds that I will be excited are not that high. Um, And yet, I really, I understood what you were saying, Bird. This was so nice. Like, I could see myself rereading this if I want something that's, like, dense and immersive and not too emotionally draining to read while also not being so light and fluffy that I'm like bored you know what I mean there was still tension there was still plot I really wow hey who knew that opera ballets based on Shakespeare would be um, (laughs) a new a new niche for me if you've got other recommendations people let me know in this genre that I've just discovered very excited and looking forward to the plethora of recommendations that are dropped upon me um, yeah, honestly, though, like so much to love about this. I have a lot to say. <laughs> and I really was nervous. I was like, I don't know these characters that well. And it's long and I don't know what's happening. And then I ended up loving it. So I don't know the beauty of the faker lot. You never really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, once again, sort of a, a sliding scale, I think, of the host's familiarity with source content. So Nick has seen this movie uh, many times. Um, well, yeah, the movie musical I have seen. Um, a very, very local production of Les Mis when I was in high school. Um, they did their best. And then, uh, <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Rip to them. I know. Hope After we just showed them so all sorry. up in that transition. <laughs> and I have seen the movie musical. I actually, Nick, was thinking about when you were saying like how many times you'd seen it. 
um, one of my friends from high school and uh, someone I used to live with, actually, my old roommate, um, loves musicals and, like, loves Les Mis and her family owns it on DVD and she used to, this baffles me. Okay, like, as someone who, like, I don't even generally like having, like, playlists play while I'm writing fix and stuff. Like, I think music is, like, really distracting. So I don't know how my friend did this, but, like, in high school, she would do her homework and have the Les Mis movie playing. And then she'd be, like, in her basement, like, on the, on the couch or whatever. Once again, baffling to me. But it is so funny because she said she would do it, like, multiple times a week or, like, multiple times a month. And then she would fall asleep because it was late at night and wake up at, like, 2 a.m. And it would be, like, Javert, like, 2, 4, 6, 0, <laughs> like, screaming. And I stole a loaf of bread. Yeah, literally. Like, startled startled into the darkness in her basement at 2 a.m. So that's what I think I'm of. obsessed. When I think of uh, copious movie watching. <laughs> um, yeah, so I enjoy Les Mis. Um, I have a confession to make, which is that, like, okay, I feel like theater kid is sort of, you know, like, it's contentious. People have opinions about theater, <laughs> theater kids. Theater kid derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I feel like I am the worst of both worlds because I'm, like, a fake theater kid. Like, oh. I I did theater. I was a stage manager, like, all throughout college. Like, I enjoy Broadway. But I, when I'm talking to people who actually, like, know what the hell they're talking about, who are, like, into, like, musicals and theater and whatever, I'm a little clown boy who knows nothing. Um, but then, like, when I'm talking to people who are super not in it, I am theater kid derogatory, and it's like, I'm the worst oh, no. of both worlds. You don't even get the perks of, like, knowledge. Oof. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Reed. It's really sad. That being said, this fic, I, like, many times was like, oh, I, f like, okay, I never did anything remotely close to, like, an opera ballet anything, but, like, you know, in some sense, like, theater is theater, and I was having so many, like, I miss my college theater experience so much. I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this. I was like, I miss Tech Week and like the cast after party and just the, I don't know, the whole experience of it, the whole stupid drama, no pun intended, that always arises. The way that like um, Grant's hair was like, there's always, somebody always is going to snap during Tech Week. Like there's always going to be this and this. And I was like, yes, true. Although some of the things when he was like, oh, the best the best performance is only like 80% as good as rehearsal. I was like, I don't know what rehearsals you're having because never once <laughs> really have I been part of a rehearsal that was like better than the performance. This is all this is all really tangential. I also enjoyed this fic um, more so than I was expecting, um, especially because I think at the beginning, like it sort of just like jumps right in with this premise. And I don't really know much about opera or ballets. Like they're not really my theater performances of choice. And this is clearly a thing where like the author knows a lot and cares a lot. And I was worried about being a little lost, especially for like, as you said, Nick, a pretty dense 60K. I was so brought into this world. I was so immersed. I loved how much you could tell the author loved what they were writing. Um, yeah, Bren, I think you said in um, Bird's submission that like, this is like the epitome of a college AU. And college AUs can look like a lot of things, but I do feel like it nailed that vibe. Like, this is a fic where the author was like, I am writing about things I'm passionate about. I'm like writing for a very specific goal. And achieved it so well. I will say, I think one thing that hit a little a little less for me in the fic is that um, despite, like, watching the movie, I was, like, never in Les Mis fandom. And, like, I know that, like, Enjolras Grantaire is the huge ship. I don't really know why, apart from, like, them being in, like, Les Amis together and, like, I mean, I get it. Like, I get that in the film there were vibes, like, the friends and whatever, but I don't, like, I know it was, like, such a juggernaut of fandom and I have no context, really, for it. Um... And this fic sort of, like, alludes to, like, oh, Grantaire had these feelings in the past, and then he sort of, like, rediscovers his feelings and whatever. But, I mean, as with many fics that are written for an audience of you're probably in this fandom, I don't think it did, like, I don't think it set out to convince you of the ship. Um, 
so in some ways I was kind of like, okay, we know that Grand's hair like used to have feelings for Antoros, but like, what did that look like? Like, where did that cut? Like, what was their dynamic before? And like, how does that lend to where they are now? And like this, this new building, um, that being said though, the slow burn was executed phenomenally and they're getting together scene had me like just yelling. Uh, so even if I didn't totally get the ship itself, like I really liked the execution, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. I think that's interesting because I remember like when Lamez the movie musical came out and it was really big on all my timelines and I had a lot of like mutuals from other previous fandoms who like got deep into it. Like I was very aware that like Grand Terre on Joros like was this big ship. I knew that a ton of people were writing fic. Authors I loved from previous fandoms had transitioned into it. It took me a long time between, like, when the movie came out to, like, me actually watching the movie. Like, over a year, maybe multiple years, I think, until I actually saw it. And then I remember watching it and sort of having the feeling I had when I watched Inception and then learned that there was, like, a shift <laughs> of being, like, these two. Like, I thought there was going to be a lot more of them here. Not to, like, diminish the ship or anything like that, because we all have our faves, but... It's just that thing I think we probably all experience from fandom, like where we're more familiar with like the fandom's hyperfixation on a particular pairing or like scenes from a particular pairing. And then when you actually can uh, like read, watch whatever the source material, you're like, there's so many other things happening <laughs> that I was not prepared for. Um, so yeah, I definitely had that experience when I first watched the movie and here as well, like, I enjoyed the dynamic between Grunter and Anjaras, like, quite a bit. But, yeah, I think, like, for me as well, it m I might have shipped it harder in this fic had I shipped it previously outside of this fic. But that's kind of how a lot of fanfiction goes. Like, yeah. th that's how fandom works. So, like, that's not really a complaint about it. That's more just, like, yeah, I think with a lot of fic, it hits harder if it's your ship if it's something you're really invested in rather than if you're just coming in as a newbie being like here's two lads <laughs> um but yeah I really overall enjoyed this quite a bit like I also thought it was funny what Reed was saying about like theater experiences I was never a theater kid I did do some dance in college but in a very casual student-led way and I was did re remember thinking while reading this like wow if I had even one percent of the dedication that Grunter had <laughs> I would have been so much better <laughs> Um, it's a high bar. But yeah, I think, like, one of the things I really enjoyed about this fic is that, like, you could tell that this author felt very confident in their writing. It reads a very confident fic. Like, I know that Lady Ragnall has written a lot of fan fiction. I certainly have read other pieces by them before. I don't know if you two have, but... I brought one to the pod. Oh, okay. I brought a Daredevil fic to the pod. Wonderful. For our kink meme episode? I believe that is it. I was gonna say the name is familiar, but I couldn't remember. Like I didn't, I didn't really share other fandoms with this author. I don't think so. That makes sense. They've written a bunch of, like one or two fics for fandoms, and then like a lot in a couple fandoms, like Les Mis and Merlin, and that's probably where I read a lot of their fic. Um, <laughs> but I'm I was familiar with the author previously, and I think, like this fic sets out to really delve deep into the topics that it's discussing, namely like ballet and opera and this imagined um adaptation of Midsummer Night's Dream and like it really talks so much about those things throughout this fic like yes this is a college AU but this is kind of like a ballet opera AU like they didn't necessarily need to be in college they could have also been like at a company where like Comfair is like 
adapting this. Like, it's so much on the performance side and so much on the artistic side. Um, and there's so much, like, description of Grantaire choreographing the dances, him teaching Angeros their duet, like, him watching Comfer put everything together in the rehearsals. And it's so deep into that. And it's one of those things where you can feel how much the author loved writing about this and their own interest in the subject. And that really comes through. And I think that's one of the things that really gripped me as a reader and like kept me going and create a very like, I think Nick, you used the word like immersive earlier. I really think that that describes how this fic felt. You really get sucked into their world and it feels so fleshed out for fan fiction and for an AU. Um, Like, I don't know, world building feels like kind of a weird word to use for this, but like, the universe that they're in doing this felt really real and complete in a way that I really admired. And I think that was one of the things that really spoke to me about like, knowing this author has a lot of fan fiction writing experience. Um, and yeah, I just thought that was really impressive. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it. I just think this is a really well constructed AU. And I think part of what you're getting at is that at least I felt that the characters were affected by and also affected their environment, their setting, their circumstances. Um, it could have been a fic set at a company or um, something more in the arts. And I also really liked the college aspect of it. It was It's set toward the end of their college careers. They're thinking about graduation. They're looking ahead to jobs. There's this like really well-paced sense of like, we got to figure this out and we don't know what's coming next. Um, I don't know. I just really liked the way that it captured this idea of a senior year where you have all of these close friends and you've worked so hard on this thing that you're doing together and you know you're all going to scatter to the wind. So like, what do you do with that time while you have it? I just really, really liked all of that. And yeah, I think like you said, for me, one of the strongest things in this fic was the pacing. Um, it's broken up in months. And so each month is the new like longish scene that we get. And time progressed in a way that was very logical things happened at a pace that seemed like realistic and it took into account a lot of different timetables he's like oh yeah five weeks before the performance and i was like oh they don't have that much left to do and he's like oh we have to get rehearsing with the orchestra we have the costumes we have to finish the blocking and the sets and all this stuff and i was like ah no you have a lot to do <laughs> i don't know anything about theater i did community theater for like three months when i was 10 and that's it but i was Relatable. like i came in late in the season so like they were all doing beauty and the beast and i didn't really have a role so i just sort of sat to the side and watched them and i was like mother i don't like this so then she pulled me out <laughs> so sad it was kind of sad so i didn't i didn't know and i feel like this fic did a really good job of keeping me oriented i didn't feel lost with all of the ballet terms and the opera terms and the theater terms and the timelines and all that stuff so i just think it was really well thought out and well executed in terms of the setting and like just the au the whole everything that goes into making an alternate universe like this is a universe i liked that i think part of um what made the college au stick so well for me is I will preface this by saying none of my friends in college did anything remotely close to literally creating an entire ballet opera um but there's some like talk from the characters about like oh like I could use this as my capstone I've already done like xyz my school that I went to did not require any sort of like capstone or senior thesis or whatever and yet Myself and many of my friends chose to do a senior thesis anyway. Why? You watch all of the people in the years before you suffer and just, like, burn. And they're like, I don't know why I chose to do this. And then they do it. Um, and so that feeling of, like, come fair being like, 
I'm going to write this whole opera and then drag, like, all of my performing arts friends into it. That felt like, oh, yeah, like, it was funny because, like, sometimes, especially in the beginning when they're sort of talking about the setup, it was, like, the language felt almost like, it was almost tipping towards, like, businessy, like, the way they were speaking so formally. And I was like, but this also absolutely tracks for, like, theater kids, senior of college who are taking everything so seriously, who are like, we are going to make this happen, um, which I loved. And also something along the like, what Nick was saying about the progression of time and sort of the looming deadline because it is their senior year. Um, when Combefer first approaches Grand Terre and is like, I want you to choreograph for this show, um, Grand Terre is like, I've, I haven't done much choreographing before. Like, I don't know. I guess so. He's like, yeah, like this seems interesting. Grantaire goes to his advisor, whose name I'm going to carefully not say because I don't know how to say it, and it's just going to come out poorly, um, and is like, I'm going to do this thing. And his advisor is like, okay, this is going to take, like, a lot of your time. Like, this is going to be a really big thing. Are you sure you want to do this? And Grantaire's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in second semester, spring semester, they're talking about the, like, spring dance recital, and his advisor is like, I can't give you a solo. I can't even give you a duet because you're putting all of this time into the opera. Like, you won't be able to do both efficiently, so you have to choose one, and you've chosen the opera. And it's not, like, totally out of the blue. Like, it, it doesn't, like, completely sideswipe Grand's hair, but it is one of those things where, like, he sort of knew it, but didn't really want to accept it until it was said to him. And it, like, it really fucks him up. Like, he's really upset about it, especially because a lot of his friends are, like, auditioning and, like, getting these job offers for all these incredible places, and he's kind of stalling. Like... He's going to places, but they're not, like, the best or, like, he's not getting, like, the responses he wants. And he's having the thought that, like, if he did this, like, spring recital, a lot of people get job offers from it. And instead, he is hinging everything on this opera that, like, the scouts might not even come to and that, like, isn't even his area of expertise. And I don't know, that really landed for me. Like, there was a lot of fear and urgency and sort of attention of, like, oh, my God, I've made this choice, but, like, have I just dug my own grave with it? Yeah, one really fun thing that I liked about that, too, um, a lot of the job search for him is uh, very depressing and stressful. But uh, I mean, this is also depressing and stressful, but in a way that I found funny, they're all talking about like potential backup plans of what they want to do, like for Anjolras performing at like a fancy company or like a fancy academy or whatever the heck he's doing with his vocals is his backup plan. He wants to like go granola and start a nonprofit and like do all this stuff which is so true of his character by the way i'm obsessed with the lines that were drawn between canon and jorlas who is constantly like actively inciting revolution and trying to martyr himself and like how that translates so much more mildly into him as like a college student who doesn't really have a revolution to incite or a cause to martyr himself for in the same way anyway um for grantaire it starts as kind of a joke, but then his backup plan really is, like, Disney cruises. <laughs> and it's so depressing. Like, he's like, I don't want to be in a fish costume for the rest of my life doing a little dance for these rich people, but what else am I going to do? And the way his friends are threatening him, like, Floriel is his bestie in this fic. I do love her character. She was really interesting. But she's like, I'll kill you. I will kill you. She's like, if you do that, I will end you. And he's like, well, you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> he's like, come catch me in Florida. Yeah. Like, he's like Snapchats while he was at the audition. <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing at Disney World? What are you doing at Disney World? <laughs> really, really good. And like, I thought brought a good amount of levity into a pretty tough time in the fic. 
Yeah, I just want to briefly say, um, loved Floriel, Floriel Stan. I looked her up. There, So there were a lot of characters in this, and some I knew, like some of the big names. And there were some that I like didn't know super well, but I recognized enough from Les Mis. But there were a number that I just didn't know, and I did not Google all of them because that would have been too many. But Floriel I did because she was such a central character. Yeah. And she's somewhat of a fandom creation. Yeah, so I was wondering about, like, Floriel and, like, who she was, and I um, googled, and the first link brought me to a WordPress where someone was like, Les Mis fandom, where did Floriel come from? I'm so confused. And someone else responds, she's the woman Grantaire is talking about during one of his long rants during preliminary gaieties. And then goes into this whole thing, and it's like, I was talking to this woman, and she blah 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 blah. Um, And so I did not, like, go into the deep dive, but sort of what I gathered is, like, Many people in this fic, and Floriel in particular, are sort of like... Uh, fandom was like, here's one line from Victor Hugo's Brick. Maybe from the show, but I assume from the written book. Um, they just, like, took this, like, I guess one-off line of Grantaire was like, I talked to this woman, and they're like, Floriel, here's her whole character development. This is Grantaire's bestie now. Um, maybe maybe she's not Grantaire's bestie in other fics, I wouldn't know. But I do love, like, um, uh, fandom creation. Yeah. And I also just loved her in this fic. She was such a fun character. Yeah, so this is definitely, like, a very slow burn fic in a lot of ways. I mean, one word count kind of lends itself to that. But also, they very much do not get together until the end. Uh, And up until then, it's a lot of Grantaire being like, I'm not in love with him. And then Grantaire being like, ah, I'm in love with him. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Basically, because he'd had this huge crush, like, a couple years ago that, like, kind of messed him up a little bit. It seems like we don't get a lot of total details on that, so it's a little bit up to reader interpretation. Uh, But then, you know, his friends are a little bit like, are you sure you want to, like, do this big duet group project with Anjaros? Like, you know how you felt about him? Like, is this going to end well for you? Are you just going to kind of get in your head about this a lot? Um, And Grantaire's like, it will be fine. We're friends. No worries, everyone. Um, And later on, he's like, "Mm, lots of worries, everyone. You seem to have all (laughs) been very aware of the fact that I am very much in love with this man (laughs) and have not let me know. Um, So I don't know. I I did really like Grantaire's like sort of realizations and his conversation with, I think it's Floreal, like during one of their like, later rehearsals or something where she's like uh yeah and he's like what (laughs) you've like this been this obvious to everyone this whole time like i don't know it seems like that are always satisfying if there's the correct build-up to them and i think this one executed it really well and then i really like the fact that i didn't necessarily see their getting together coming like that in that like obviously i knew that they were the pair of this and they were gonna get together but i didn't know like what moment it was gonna happen it's kind of sudden and very satisfying in that way um so right after they do do the senior dance recital which gruntair is in he just doesn't have like a big solo or anything he's more part of like a group number um they're sort of milling around they haven't actually done the performance of the opera yet but Anjaros like came to see him and he like pulls him into this alcove to talk and then like kisses him and I was like oh my god uh-huh. <laughs> like it totally gave me the like swoopy stomach butterflies feeling that like is what I really want from like a getting together moment especially in a longer fic like and to not really know that it was coming to not be like this is the scene where they're gonna kiss like it was it was surprising to Grantaire in the thick, and it was surprising to me as a reader that that's when it happened, and I really liked that. It had a great payoff, I think. They're in love. <laughs> I think that I was probably more convinced by the ship than the two of you in this fic. I don't know why. I really I liked I didn't think them. it was bad. I just, like, 
was very concentrated on like Grundaire getting into like, <laughs> like a not Disney after his, his role as Puck. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, oh, I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think that they were. I, I liked that they were spending all this time together. I mean, come on, classic. You're rehearsing together in this, like, room with mirrors and practicing lifts and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's romance. It's romance, people. So I loved that. Their getting together scene was wonderful. I'm kind of obsessed with the fact that he was like, I had to do it before the opera because afterwards you would have, no, like, no reason to keep talking to me. And Grunter is like, that is the most important thing of my life. Why are you doing this right now? <laughs> oh, my God, bro. He doesn't say bro. But. Well, because, like, they kiss, like, at this senior dance recital, and then there's a couple days between then and the opera, and Grantair just, like, ignores him, like, will yes. not talk to him. And then it's, like, it is, like, I don't know, the day of. It's it's go time. Hours. And Andras is, like, okay, time to talk. And Grantair's, like, we could do this later. And Andras is, like, we could have done this days ago. Um, When I said that, like, they're getting together had me yelling. The thing specifically is that Angel Ross is like, listen, most people do this after they've been dating, but whatever. I'm out of time. Here it is. I love you. And Grantaire's like, hmm. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, and he's like, I can't believe this. I've been stupid over you for two years. And it's like, and now? And Andras is like, hold on. Was that was that past tense? Um, and the bit that had me out of my gourd, classic, is uh Grantaire going, No, no, I love you. It's just an again, not a still like hello uh, he's back hello? and he's better than ever <laughs> it's just an again not a still lady ragnell please um and then it's really funny because like after this scene they're like great okay and then they start like making out and then their friends like this is this is well and good you've got to get into makeup like we got we, we have shit to do um and all of their friends are like i'm happy for you also like can we please focus on the opera like all of our senior capstones are riding on this yes and, like, future job opportunities, and especially for you, Grantaire, get your head in the game. And he does, and then everything's fine. He gets a beautiful job. They move to New York together and live happily ever after. So, like, you love to see it. Yeah. So that was our journey into Les Mis. Uh, this pairing, which I certainly had never read before. Um, and also watching these characters build a very cool opera for a year. <laughs> um so I really enjoyed it. It was a great look at like a very detailed 60K uh, that was very immersive into the world of their college experience and like their performing arts. Um, I thought it was great. Thank you all so much for submitting fix for us to select from for this anniversary episode. It was a little different than our usual ones since we had all come into it being like, we've never read these fix before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think it was really fun. Uh, I think we all really enjoyed getting to read something a little bit different and the experience of coming to it with someone else's rec who's not one of the three of us. Um, So who knows? Maybe we'll do it again in the future. We'll let you know. And the spreadsheet with all the fix uh, is up somewhere. There will be a link. You can find it on Twitter or in Discord. Yeah. Both. It'll be on both. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. If you liked it, which we hope you did, uh, but it's okay if you didn't, I guess, but we hope you did. Um, there are so many other ways to get involved with us and you can have more of us, which is great. You can find us on social media, on Twitter and Tumblr at Fit Click, and you are always more than welcome to join our frankly excellent discord server it's linked on our twitter we talk about fandom and fic and writing and pets and plants and nature 
and sometimes we have little productivity hours where people jump on to calls together and get some stuff done. It's just very cute and a good community, so you should probably join us. Assuming that you did like this episode, which once again, fingers crossed, um, it would really help us out if you would spread the word about FitClick. Uh, we are, again, now two years into this, but still a pretty small pod, um, and the best way to grow is word of mouth. Um, so if you like the episodes, maybe give it a retweet or tell a friend about it. Um, you can hang up flyers in your hometown. You can just staple them right yeah. to, um, you know, any any surface that'll let you do it. And I think that's legal. Don't don't take my advice. I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but I think it's legal. Um, <laughs> it, sh- it should be legal, we hope. Yeah. <laughs> just do it quick, just in case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any podcatching website that lets you leave reviews. Um, those also help boost the pod just get us out to new listeners which we appreciate very very much you can leave a review by hiring a skywriting service to write listen to fit click above wherever wow. you live if you got that much money though just buy our merch baby yeah <laughs> yeah wear it on your bod yes yeah, speaking of merch uh we have some up on our Redbubble shop uh you can find the link to that on our twitter um yeah check it out we did a little design refresh a couple months ago um so if you haven't checked out the merch since then give it a go our next episode is coming out on october 29th and if you remember last year around Halloween, we did a Halloween special episode. It was our horror special where we talked about three pretty horrifying fics. So we're not going to do that exact same thing this time, but we thought it would be fun to still maintain some kind of a Halloween theme. So we are doing a trick-or-treat special. Now, what does that mean? I hear you asking. Uh, Ficklets who read ahead, we're so sorry. This one's really a tough one, but we are actually not going to be revealing the three fics for next episode at the end of this one. Instead, we are going to have discussions about three surprise fix, and you all as listeners and as community members can individually or collectively, depending on your style, decide whether each fic is a trick or a treat. So just a little gift from your hosts. We hope you enjoy it. We think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to make like Kid Flash and dash out of this episode. See you next time. All right, besties. Hope you don't catch Lyme disease. Bye. All right, I'm going to go take a nap, which Grunter did not do enough of in that fic. <laughs> Bye!